Well, good to see you today. You know, what I found in reading the Bible is that success in the kingdom of God and success in life, your business world, your financial world, they have a parallel track. Things you can learn from the word of God can also help you in your day-to-day living, not only in just what you do carrying out your Christian faith, but also can really help you in terms of your business and how it works. So today I wanna give you some ideas on how you can be successful in the kingdom of God, but you're gonna see the overlap in your daily life as well. And there's three key words I want you to get in your mind. The first word is decide, the second word is focus, and the third word is invest. Now that sounds like you might be going to a seminar and we're gonna teach you how to become rich. Well, indeed we are. We're gonna show you how to become rich in the kingdom of God, amen? You know, your heart needs to overflow. It needs to be filled with the very life of God and out of your very innermost being shall flow these rivers of life that are gonna bless not only people around you but bless you as well. So the first word is the word decide. Let's take a look at it. Decide what is most important in your life. Decide what is most important in your life. Uh, Jesus told uh, a couple of uh, parables, and in these parables, he wanted us to understand something about the kingdom of God. So in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44, listen to what it says. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. Now, what was customary in that day, especially in Jewish circles, was you would take your valuables and you would bury them in the field because that was a good bank. You could remember where it was, hopefully, amen? It's kind of like trying to remember where your car is, you know, you see people wandering around doing this, you know? But what they would do is they would literally bury things in a field and then they would go back and find them. Sometimes they would forget about them. Sometimes they would sell the property, forget they had something valuable out there. But in this particular case, you notice it says there was a treasure hidden in a field. And someone is coming along and he found what was hidden. Now we don't know whether it had made its way to the surface. We don't know whether he was actually out there probing the ground trying to find valuables or not. It, we aren't told. But I wanna tell you this, that you have to decide in your life what is gonna be most important to you. What's gonna be your priority? What are gonna be the values you're gonna live by? What are, you, what are the things that you're gonna say, everything else doesn't matter, but this matters? And I think, first of all, you wanna say, the kingdom of God matters, and it should be a priority in your life. You see, when I was, uh, this week I was, ha- I was having lunch with a couple of friends, and we were talking about the kingdom of God. We are talking about different things, and one particular man said uh, that he had, he had a, a matter that he really, didn't want to discuss, and I kept pressing, you know, because I, I like, if you, if you have a secret, I'm going to grind you down till I find it out. I don't know about you, but, but he finally, he, he kind of said, well, I, I have a brain tumor. And I said, uh, and I just instantly, my mind just clicked, and I said, you know, healing happens when the presence of God and a touch point of faith are evident, And I said, you don't realize it, but sitting right across from you, somebody you don't know, you just met, a member of our church, John Meredith, he was healed from stage four cancer. He was given two months to live, and God did a miracle in his life. I said, here's your touch point of faith. I said, now we're going to take some time. We're going to pray. We're going to ask the presence of God to be in this place. And we're going to pray for this guy. His name is Sam. We're going to pray for him and put his name in the prayer wall. But you see... The presence of God is so powerful. 
And sometimes you hear that and you just think it's kind of a terminology. It doesn't really sink in, but you really can walk into the presence of God. You can invite the presence of God in your life. You know, hopefully you're sensing the presence of God in this room. You're saying, I just sense that God is in this room. And the more that you put your, you lean into that, the more you sense the presence of God. And as you do that, you're going to understand something of the power of the Spirit. You see, we can't operate apart from the Holy Spirit of God. Christianity doesn't work without the Holy Spirit. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, the thing that changes you is the Holy Spirit. He makes you a new creation. He plunges you into the body of Christ. He makes you his own. That's why the Bible says your body is a temple of the living God. So everywhere you go, you're a moving, breathing temple of God because you carry the Holy Spirit of God with you. And as you yield to him, as you, as you allow him to have first place in your life, he empowers you so that you can do those things which you could not do apart from him. Let me show you something in Matthew 16, 19, further on the kingdom. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, you see, this is what's called authority. Not just power, but this is authority. God wants us to understand that it's critically important that we bring heaven to earth. This is what's important. You see, we think we're humans and we have a spirit, but we're actually eternal beings. We're spirit creatures that are gonna live forever, and we just put on an earth suit. So you walk around on this earth with, in the physical, but what really makes you important is, uh, and significant is that you are an eternal soul, an eternal spirit of God. You see, everyone will live forever. Some will live with God, some will live apart from God. And if you're gonna live for God, you should live well for God. You should glorify him. You see, without the Holy Spirit, we, if you're not led by the Spirit, you're not even demonstrating that you are a son of God. All who have the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. It's not by might, not by power, but by my what? But by my Spirit, says the Lord God. So we understand that we have to decide what's the priority. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 9, it says, uh, he told his disciples to go out and do this, heal the sick. Heal the sick. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. You know, when we see the miraculous happen in our world, when we see someone healed, you know what it immediately does? We go, we're close to the kingdom. This is what kingdom people see. This is what they do. I've kind of made it a practice. We've had so many people, so many miracles. We've seen so many people healed and, and all kind of great things happen that I never quote a miracle, a physical miracle, unless it's doctor verified. Then I don't have to deal with the skeptic. The skeptic says, well, you know, well, my arm hurt, now it doesn't hurt. That's great. But if a doctor says your arm was broken and now it's healed and we didn't put a cast on it, that's a little different on a different level. Would we all agree? There's one particular doctor, he's a brain surgeon at Hogue, and he sent me now two or three, I can't, I've lost track whether, whether it's two or three, but actually brain scans where he shows before and after the prayer and the tumor is gone from the brain. Now, I can, I can tell you that there are skeptics, even among Christians, but when you show them that, it's kind of miraculous. Would you agree? Yes. Well, see, that's evidence that the kingdom of God has come near you. If I don't believe in the miraculous, I'll never see the miraculous. 
Sometimes, you know, you say, I don't believe, and all of a sudden something becomes overwhelming, so powerful, you become an instant believer in the miraculous. And I want us to do that. I want us to be a part of that. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, it says, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, there's value in eating and drinking. He's not telling you that, and there's happiness in that. But if you want to know what the kingdom of God is like, it's like this. It's like righteousness. It's like peace that passes understanding, and it's this joy, which is different from happiness, this eternal joy inside of you. Jesus said, my joy do I give unto you, not as the world gives, but I, my joy do I give unto you, that your joy might be full. So the idea is the Holy Spirit brings joy. So you can have joy in the midst of the worst circumstances. Because it's not about the circumstances, it's about the Holy Spirit of God in you. And so what you can, you can even pray like this, God, I hate my circumstances, they're very difficult, very challenging, but I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you praise and glory and I'm gonna enjoy the joy while I'm in the bitterness. You see the difference? That was a pretty weak clap, let me try it again. You can enjoy the joy in the middle of the bitterness. That's better. See, I preach better when you clap, amen? When you get excited. The second word I want you to look at is the word focus. Focus. Focus on the solution. So many times we focus on the problem and not on the solution. And you, you can tell if a, where a person's focusing when, they're, when you're talking to them and all they're doing is talking about the problem. It doesn't mean the problem is not, doesn't need to be talked about. It doesn't mean it's not worthy of, of conversation, but where's your focus? I've got this problem, but I'm not going to solve the problem by focused on the problem. I'm going to solve the problem by focused on the solution, which is God Almighty. You see, you have to have, God has to be bigger than your problem. You have to allow God to take control of that situation, even if that situation is, is running out of control on you. You go, I don't even know where this thing is going. That's okay. God does. Trust God. Focus on the solution. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44. He, what does he do? He goes out. Now, this is the man that finds this treasure hid. He goes out, he sells all that he has, and he buys the field. Why did he want to buy the field? Because that would give him ownership of what was in the field. Rather than going to the guy and say, hey, guess what? I found something really cool in your, in your field. And the guy goes, thank you. See, this was wisdom. We have to be innocent as a dove, but crafty as a serpent. So wisdom said, I'm gonna go, I have, it's gonna cost me everything to buy that field, but when I buy that field, I'm gonna have a treasure. You know, it's just a few verses earlier, he tells us what the field is. You know what it is? It's the world. The treasure is Jesus. God bought the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son right? And so he bought the field. He paid the price for the world so that he could get the treasure, and that's you. He wanted you in the world. He wanted to pull you out of the field and into eternity, and he did that in this parable. He's showing us multiple levels of truth that we can grasp onto. We might look at it from a purely business standpoint and said, I think there's a great opportunity out here, but I have to buy the field to get the opportunity. Or you can look at it and say, God bought the world that he might save me and rescue me to reveal Jesus to us. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. You know, faith is a really big part of my life, amen? 
I mean, I try to walk by faith, live by faith, and, and, and really teach faith in everything I do. But listen to what it says. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, there's things in your life you hope for, and you might work for them. You might, you know, might dream upon them. You might do all kinds of different things, but the Bible says that your faith is substance. That's, re- that's the reality. That's what makes a difference. So I just need more faith. No, use what you have. He said if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, that seems pretty small to me. I don't know about you, right? You ever seen a mustard seed? You go like, you cannot see it. It's not little. So what? Take what you have. God, I don't have much faith, but I'm going to use what I have. I'm going to trust you because I believe there's substance behind my faith. I believe that those things which you put in my heart that I hope for, that I dream about, that I want to see come to fruition, God, I believe it's going to happen by faith. And I have to start calling those things which are not as though they are. I like to put it like this. You've got to say it so when it's not so in order for it to be so. You say, what would you say? You've got to say it so when it's not so in order for it to be so. You say, well, that's pretty cool. Is there a scripture behind that? Yes, there is. Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. Look what it says. God gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. You're looking at your situation. You say, there is no way I'm getting out of this situation. There's no way this is going to happen. There's no way, no way, no way, and that's no faith. You have to look at it and call it before you have the reality of it. You call it forth. You call it forth. You say, God, this is mine. I believe you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to start living like it. you got a wayward son, wayward daughter. See him as saved and redeemed and coming back instead of going, oh, i got a horrible son. i got a horrible daughter. They're away from the Lord. They're not doing anything. They'll never come home. No, they won't. Not with that level of faith. I want you to see him. Redeemed. I want you to see them living for God. I want, to see, I want you to see them the way you want to see them and begin to pray that way instead of praying against them. Don't curse the ground you walk on. Amen? Don't curse the ground you walk on. You're walking on ground everywhere you go. This is the ground. This is holy ground. This is unto the Lord. I trust God. I believe God. God is going to do something. What is God going to do? And you name it. You name what God, what, you have to have clarity in what you do. You notice that the man in, this, in the parable, he had to do something. He had to practice subtraction before addition. This is a really key point in business, too. You can't do everything. What are you going to take off your plate so that you can fill that, that slot? I'm, I'm the worst at this. I just think that I just keep, I just more, give some more. I can do that. Oh, that's great, you know, and, and, uh, and that's just me. I've never seen a situation that wasn't a win. And what, what happens is I can fall prey to presumption. So you have to realize your strength also has a flip side, and that's a weakness. So I look at something, and I say, this will work, this will work, this will work, this will work. And, but I'd never say, well, I just presume that I can do it. I presume uh, the money will come in. I'll presume, I presume, and that's my flat side. So I have to guard against my weakness as well as fuel my strength. And this is really important. You know, it's like a person with a gift of mercy. You know anybody with a gift of mercy? They're just so kind. They're so genuine. And, you know, just like, oh, can I do that for you? But when they're out of the spirit, they're the meanest people in town. You know why? Because they see injustice and they strike out. When you're walking in the spirit, you will manifest 
the Holy Spirit in your life. You'll all nine of those characteristics, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those are gonna come out of your life. And that's why you always wanna be walking in the Spirit of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, so that, that, that it's, the explanation of your life is him and not you. Also, you have to speak a word of faith. Every time I speak a word of faith, every time I say God's gonna do something, inside of me, my, the human fill goes, oh no, there you go, you did it again. Why'd you do it? Why'd you go public? Why couldn't you just keep your big mouth shut? And, I, and then I'm talking to myself, you're right. You ever find yourself in a dialogue with that, that other guy in there and you're going, yeah, you're right. I'm, I don't know why I did that. I'm just, I, I just do it. I, I'm, I can't help myself. I just opened my mouth to change feet. I don't know. But until I speak it out, it doesn't propel me into faith. Once I say it, I go, okay, God, this is where I'm going. Now, you say, have you ever spoken something out and it hasn't? Yes, I have. But every time I have, God has either given me clarity or he's showed me how to pivot into another area where he was leading me. But I have to get momentum going. And the minute I speak a word, you know what I do? I start to take massive action. Massive action. I can't let this thing sit on the back burner. I have to say, okay, I'm gonna talk to everybody I know. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna put this before God. I'm gonna write it down on paper. I'm gonna plan. God, I'm gonna do everything I know because I believe you spoke to me and you gave me a word and that word is from you. Therefore, I'm moving in that direction. Unless, unless the world ends, you return or you tell me no, I'm going that way. And sometimes, by the way, God will say, no, that's not it. It's really interesting. The apostle Paul was gonna head east with the gospel. And then he heard a Macedonian call, and, God, and, and the Holy Spirit forbid Paul from taking the gospel into Asia. Instead, it went into Europe, and then into America. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had a plan. He knew what he was doing. He knew the direction. And sometimes you'll say, I'm going this way. I just feel like, and God will say, no, I want you to go this way. Well, that doesn't make sense, not to you, but it makes sense to me. And if you will trust me, I'll take you to greater and greater places than you could ever go by you. We want, we want to see God work on our life, amen? All right, amen. All right, now, the third word is the word invest. Invest. You can see how all three of these have an application in your business world, in your personal world, your financial world, in your business uh, dealings. But it also has to do with the kingdom of God. Invest in what matters. What really matters in your life? There's an interesting book written uh, a number of years ago by a Jewish accountant in New York, and the title of it, I was in, so intriguing I bought the book, it was called Die Broke. Die Broke, and I thought, I like that. I like that idea. And so I read it, and there were, there were a couple of different chapters in it and principles that were interesting. That one to me was the most interesting because what he said was, instead of leaving a big inheritance to your children, enjoy let your children enjoy it while you're alive and plan out your life to where when you're dead, you're broke. And they used Carnegie. Carnegie was the man that came up with this principle. And he projected how long he would live and how much he would have to get rid of. And of course, he built public libraries all across America. A Carnegie Hall was built by him with that money. He just said, I'm just going to invest it and, and give it away and give it away. And he, he, over-projected how long he would live, and he ended up uh, dying uh, about three years early, still had 23 million left. That was in pre-tax money, by the way. So think about that. That was real money then. 
That's probably a couple of billion today. The other one was quit your job. Here's the other principle. Quit your job. And he wasn't talking about literally quitting. He was saying, quit getting all your purpose and your meaning from that job. Let your job be a cash flow. If it gains purpose in your life, that's fine. Because so many people get so entrenched in their job, they can't function in life. They become all-consuming. Just set it aside. This is how I pay my bills. This is what I do. But I'll find purpose in other things. I'll fuel my, the meaning in my life in other ways. So understand that, you know, a lot of, I've seen it, especially with men, I'm just going to quit this job. What are you going to do? I don't know. Well, there is a Hebrew word for that. It is the word dumb. <laughs> don't do that, all right? Wait till you get direction. Wait till you have a transition plan to go into so you know what you're doing. So invest in what matters. Let's look at Matthew chapter 13, 45, 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Now at the time that this was being written, a pearl was more valuable than gold or diamonds. They were so rare that if you had one, you were considered very rich. And what Jesus does, he pulls out this matter, he said the most valuable, the most costly thing on earth, if you will seek it out, Look at, this one's seeking, the other one's finding. This is seeking. This is where find and go seek comes, right? All right, now look what it says. The merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl, one pearl of great price, he went, and what did he do? The same thing as the other parable. He went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. What are you investing in in your life? What is the one thing you would give everything for? It should be your eternal soul. Amen? Should be your eternal soul. And once you invest in the Lord, in your eternal soul, what are you going to do from that point on? You're going to help other people find Christ. You're going to spread the fame of God everywhere you go. You're going to lift up the name of Jesus. You're going to take your life and say, my life does not exist for me. It exists for the kingdom of God. And if I invest that way in the kingdom, guess what? You're going to be blessed too. You're going to be happy as well. You know, I love that story of Joseph of Arimathea when, when uh, he asked for the body of Jesus. Remember, it says he was very rich. He asked for the body of Jesus that he might prepare it for burial. You remember this? And he took very costly uh, you know, oils and spices and wrapped the body of Jesus. And then he carried the body of Jesus. You see, he knew what a pearl of great price was. It was Jesus. And he was going to carry the body of Christ. See, some of you have been blessed beyond measure with riches. You may not be super rich, but you've been blessed. And God may be calling you to carry the body of Christ, to help those who are weak, whether you're discipling them or whether you're with your generosity. But we're called to carry the body of Christ, amen? Look what it says in Mark chapter eight. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Can you imagine? I can't think of anything worse. You know, Jesus tells this this story in, in Matthew seven. He said, there are gonna be those who on the day of judgment are gonna say, Lord, don't you know me? And he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. The saddest words of tongue or pen are what might have been. Too late would be the words come from the mouth of the Savior. You were deceived. 
you weren't saved. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And then he takes it to another level. And now look what it says here. You say, well, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. That's great. But look what it says. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous, sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. He doesn't just talk about being saved. He talks about how you're living your life as a saved human being. Are you ashamed of Jesus and his words? Do you, do you, do you, are there some circles you kind of back off and you don't talk about Jesus? Or you, you don't mention the word of God because you think it's too much trouble? There, I'm, I don't want to get in an argument. I may offend them. I remember one time when I was really young in the ministry and I talked to this pastor and I said, you know, I just want to be careful that I don't, uh, you know, offend lost people, you know? And he said, what are you going to do, send them to hell number two? I have never forgotten that. But how, how shall they hear and how shall they believe without someone giving them the word of God? Now, I'm not saying to be, you know, run roughshod over anyone. I'm just saying a compelling testimony of Jesus Christ at the right time can be transformational in a person's life. And no one can dispute your, your testimony. They might dispute the church or religion, but say, look, I, all I can tell you is I don't have all the answers to your questions, but I know this one thing. When I, when I humbled myself before God and gave my heart to Jesus, my life changed. I can't dispute that one. There's a lot of things in life I can dispute. I, can't, I don't know what to do with that. Well, how'd your life change? Well, you know, I've got peace. I've got purpose. I've got confidence that in my death I'm going to be with the Lord, that all my loved ones and all my friends are going to be with the Lord. Now, if you don't have that, there's one way to find that. And if you do that in a, in, a, in a sweet, compelling manner, do you know that people will actually think about that forever? If you argue with them, they'll just label you like every other nutcase in religion. We are called to give the word of, out, the word of God out. When he comes in his glory with his holy angels, I want him to be proud of me, amen? You see... There needs to be that touch point of faith. What's the touch point of faith in your life to say, God, for me, I can just put my hand on my heart and go, this is a touch point of faith. I have been transformed by the power of God. I can go out to that prayer wall. That's a touch point of faith. And I can say, God, there's over 100,000 prayer requests in this wall. I'm going to put mine in there. And I know when people come to this wall and they pray, there's going to be an atmosphere of heaven around this wall. And I'm going to believe. Amen? I'm going to believe. I'm going to see. I want to see the goodness of God, and I'm going to do it by faith. And then don't forget the big picture. The big picture is God loves you. Did you know that? God loves you. God is for you. He's not against you. Well, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. If he loved you when you were an enemy, how much more does he love you now as a son or a daughter? That's Romans 5, if you want to read it. If he loved you then, how much more now? You think about your own children. You can get mad at them, but you don't stop loving them. Amen? They can be away from you, but you still love them. You'll still do anything for them. And it's even better with grandchildren, amen? Because they're just better people. Amen? Let's stand together. I want to I pray with you right now. I want to challenge you and pray with you. 
Heavenly Father, we, we've heard the word of God. We believe what you've said in your word. And now, God, we want, to, we want you to meet the need and answer the prayer of those requests as they come before you. Whether it's something we found in a field, an opportunity, or whether it's something we've sought out in our life, God, let us invest in what is really important, what's valuable. Let us set the priorities of our life in the right place and decide to get started. If today that you, right now, you, you would say, Pastor, you know, there's something that God has put on my heart, and I want to see God answer this prayer. Would you just lift your hand? God, just lift your hand up. Just lift them up. This is, this is an act of faith. Now hold it up. God, you see these hands. You see these hands, God. These are men and women, boys and girls, who are lifting holy hands before you, asking for you to answer their prayer. God, would you minister to them right now? Would you meet that need in Jesus' name? God bless you. Now put your hand down. Now I'm going to pray a prayer right now for salvation. For some of you, you'd say, I don't know the condition of my eternal soul. I don't know if I've truly been born again, but I want to be. I want to be. I want you to pray a prayer like this with me. You can pray it out loud right where you stand or sit. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross that you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Your word says, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. Save me, Lord Jesus. If that was your prayer, then Jesus saved you. Would you lift your hand up and say, I, Pastor, I was saved today. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Now, I want you to know, all of you have lifted your hands, probably 10 or 12 of you. I want you to know your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You are covered in the blood. You are saved and redeemed. And now live for God every day of your life.